We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up and welcome to the uncontested podcast post game edition. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin, as the Thunder beat the Chicago Bulls 123 to 119 in another overtime game. We are proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and part of DailyThunder.com. If you don't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods and leave us a five-star rating. You can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Second verse, same as the first, except a little bit different at the end. This game felt eerily similar to Wednesday night's matchup with the Denver Nuggets that also went to overtime. But the Thunder come out ahead on this one. I think everyone is uh, a little more thankful for that. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody, by the way, all of our American listeners. Hope you guys had a great holiday with your family. I got to say, my smoked turkey came out fabulous. Very tasty. 10 of 10. We'll eat again. So I hope you guys had a great holiday to all of our international listeners. I hope your Thursday was awesome. So as per usual with our post-game pods here, I have a list of takeaways from this game. We'll break those down real quick. Then I have a step-by-step game summary for those of you who maybe don't remember or didn't get a chance to watch or just want to relive some of those big moments. I'll break down this game step-by-step, and then we're going to dive back into my big takeaways, go a little bit deeper with some analysis. And if you have any questions, comments, whatever, get them in the chat. I would love to answer those at the end of the show tonight. Um, always love getting listener questions, so fire those over. Ooh, we'll also have a player of the game, which I totally forgot to tweet out until right this moment. So we're going to have player of the game a little bit later uh, on social media tonight. Apologies, folks. So my takeaways from this game. Number one, I kind of just mentioned it. Same song, new verse. This game felt very similar to Wednesday night's game against the Denver Nuggets, except the ending is Oklahoma City gets a win instead of a loss. But the flow of the game... Very similar. I'm going to break that down more here in just a bit. Big takeaway number two. Slow starts are a problem for this team. 
Mark talked about it a lot. Coach Mark talked about this a lot Wednesday night. He talked about it again tonight because the Thunder continue to start games very, very poorly. Uh, I'll dive into that a little bit in my step-by-step game summary and then talk a little bit about it in the analysis as well. But slow starts, a bit of a problem for this team. Number three, a guy that I give a lot of crap, got to give it up to him tonight, Darius Baisley. Maybe his best offensive performance in like a calendar year. Uh, all things considered, the stakes, the the competition of the team, the the role he's playing. Maybe Baisley's best offensive performance in all of 2022. Uh, and I'm saying this on November 25th. So that's like 11 full months of, of data. I mean, I Baisley had a very good night tonight offensively. I typically rag on him a lot offensively. I thought he did well tonight. Big takeaway number four, Josh Giddy impacting the game. There were times tonight where I thought Josh did not play well, but down the stretch in the fourth quarter, and especially in overtime, Josh was awesome. Uh, maybe not scoring the ball, but just doing a lot of other things that I thought were really impactful. I'm going to dive more into Josh's game here in a bit. And then the last bullet point, the last big takeaway, this team seems to be learning lessons. I talked Wednesday when Taylor was on with me after the Denver game. I talked a lot about how you learn and you grow through failure, right? Experience is the best teacher. It seems like they're learning from their experiences, and that's great to see. Uh, so those are my five big takeaways. Um, let's dive into this step-by-step, uh, go through this game, what happened. Again, if you have any questions or comments, please fire them off in the chat. I see we're already getting a lot of live viewers here. Uh, so fire them off on the chat, and I will answer all of those uh, as we go throughout the show today. So this game, first, before I even get into like the, the game portion of it, ta- uh, our guy, not Taylor, our guy Nick was press row tonight. He tweeted out a lot of the, the quotes and the comments from post-game uh, availability today. He had a lot of good videos from courtside. Um, so make sure you follow our social medias to get all of that info from Nick. Uh, Nick and I met up for a little bit during the game as well, which is really awesome. But I don't think Nick's been to very many games this year. I've gone to a lot of games with my father this year, uh, which is, side note, it's been really awesome to go to these games with my dad. Um, But I've been to almost every home game this season. This felt like the best attended game. There were more people in the stands tonight than I think there were uh, at any other point this season. So that was awesome to see. Thunder fans really showed out. Uh, I think combination of it being like a holiday week. And so like a lot of people were off work today. Uh, it being a Friday night game. The team just generally being fun. A lot of different factors and, and contributions there. But a really well attended game. So that was awesome to see. Uh, the crowd was very lively. A lot of Bulls fans, which maybe also plays a role into that as well. Into the crowd being large. But overall, I thought it was a very well-attended game. Really proud of, of Thunder fans for showing out for that. Thunder start the game slow again. They go down 9-0 really early, I think within the first two minutes of the game. By like the 10-minute mark, Thunder already down 9-0. Mark calls the timeout. Post-game, he said that. He called the timeout. He said, we were doing everything right. The score just wasn't going the way we wanted it. And I just wanted to remind our guys, like, get the car back on the road. It's a 48-minute game. We'll be fine. Turns out they were. But it got bad as as bad as 21-7 to in that first quarter. Uh, 
I think the Bulls made like their first six or seven shots, um, few and ones. Just it felt like the Thunder came out un- non-aggressive. They they came out and got punched and didn't do the punching, and that's something that's got to change. I know they're working on that, uh, but that's a big observation for me uh, from the past couple of weeks with this team. Is they just start very very poorly. That all changed though. The starting lineup tonight was Shea, Josh. Lou Dort, J-Dub, Jalen Williams, and Alexei Pukashevsky. At about the 7-8 the minute mark, Mark Dagnall subs out Poku and J-Dub and brings in Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Kenrich Williams. And that really settled the team. I think getting a bigger body in, in Jeremiah onto Nikola Vucevic was a really big deal. Also, I think a lot of us have really high hopes for J-Dub Rightfully so. J-Dub is awesome. Uh, He's going to be very good. But his starting matchup tonight was DeMar DeRozan. And that's a vet. And a very crafty vet. And J-Dub just had a lot of problems. I thought the Thunder did much better whenever they slid uh, Lou Dort over to DeMar. DeMar likes to play a little more physical and bumpy and and get to that mid-range. Lou's a really stout body and doesn't move. Um, and then they moved Kenrich Williams over to Zach Levine, uh, who likes to play on the perimeter a little more, a little more athletic, a, a more fluid game. Uh, I thought getting those two guys uh, switched up defensively played a big role. With all that being said, and the bad start, the Thunder actually win the first quarter uh, 32 to 30, which was pretty surprising to me. Second quarter, the Bulls went 29 to 27. Bulls got really hot in the second quarter, hit five threes, uh, just really got it going in the second quarter. Um, Zach hit a few. I think Vucevic hit one or two. Um, so they they got into a flow in the second quarter. Uh, and we go into halftime, 59-59, all tied up. And it was at halftime where Nick and I met up at the game. And Nick looked at me and he said, well, it's a tie game, but we all know the Thunder are going to win this third quarter. That's just what they do. And then, of course, the Thunder come out on a 6-0 run out of the third quarter. Um, Started a 6-0 run. One of my biggest notes from that third quarter was free throw attempts. Thunder took 11 free throw attempts. Bulls only took four free throw attempts in that third quarter. Very surprising. Um, And the Thunder made them pay, and I love to see that. Then... We go to the fourth quarter where the Thunder built up a 10-point lead with eight minutes left in the game. And this is just looking eerily similar to the Denver game. The Denver game, Denver started off crazy hot, um, slowed down a little bit. The third quarter went heavily OKC's way. Thunder built a big lead in the fourth quarter. The opponent comes back, ties it up. We go to overtime. It's like the same exact story because the Thunder built a 10-point lead with about eight minutes to go. In the fourth quarter, Chicago chips away, chips away, chips away, gets it to a tie game. The Thunder get a stop and a rebound. They call a timeout. Um, they almost completely botch the out-of-timeout play, the, the sideline play. They get another timeout. They get the ball into Shea with about eight seconds to go. He dribbles and dribbles, and I was like, What's he going to do? Is he just going to like shoot this crazy contested three? I don't like this. And then he just blows by his man, gets like a step below the free throw line, 
beautiful play, and he floats it up and just airballs the damn thing. I was very surprised Shea just didn't shoot like a little midi. He's so good at those. Uh, he got to the floater. It's the exact look that you would want for Shea Gilgis-Alexander with the game on the line. Uh, beautiful drive. Everything was there. Just didn't make the shot. Uh, we head into overtime. And the Thunder, the other night, scored like four points in overtime. Tonight, they scored 13 points in overtime. Uh, Josh looked awesome in OT. He had two very strong driving layups. Uh, just kind of bullied himself down to the rim and, and hit two layups. He also had two really nice pick and roll passes. Uh, one to Poku, uh, who just smoked it. And then the other to Kenrich, who gave a little head fake, lost his man, then went up and got a layup. Um, very in control by Josh in overtime. Uh, that was by my big note from that OT. And then Shea. Uh, he he gets Demar to jump on a pump fake with one second left on the shot clock and gets fouled to shoot three free throws. Uh, the Thunder come down, get a huge stop. Lou Dort uh, forces a Demar DeRozan miss. The ball is sailing out of bounds. Josh very smartly saves it, gets it into Shea's hands, who gets fouled, goes to the free throw line and really freezes it with those last two. Dort prior to that stop on DeMar DeRozan, had a really bad overtime. He offensive goaltended a Shea Mitty that was dropping in and just grabbed the rim. So you lose two points there. And then the very next possession fouls DeMar DeRozan on a free throw line jumper and gives the Bulls a free two points. Uh, so the Thunder could have been up three before the Dort offensive goaltend. Uh, instead, in the span of like 10 seconds, they go down one. Uh, it was a really big swing. I thought that was going to cost them the game. Ended up not costing them the game, which is really good. So uh, in the end, the Thunder pull out the victory. Um, really impressive because I thought a lot of the stuff that they did wrong in overtime Wednesday night, they did right in overtime tonight. And sometimes it's just as simple as how the ball like bounces. But I thought they did really, really well. So let's return back to some of my... Uh, my big takeaways. So the first one, I said, same song, new verse. If you overlapped the um, like the game flow chart where it shows like the the middle, the flat line is is like game is tied and it goes up and down as teams take the lead and lose the lead and whatnot. And you overlap today's game flow chart with Wednesday's game flow chart. They look damn near identical. Opponent starts off first quarter, big lead. Thunder chip away, get it back to reasonable. Second quarter happens, the Thunder get it back to even. After halftime, the Thunder go on a big run, win the third quarter. The Thunder extend that run into the fourth quarter, get a double-digit lead. Eight minutes left to go in the game. Thunder slowly lose the lead, make some plays at the end of regulation, force overtime. And then the overtime graph would be a little bit different, obviously. Thunder scoring 13 compared to like two or four from the other night. But it's the same exact flow to the game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. The third quarters are awesome. The Thunder look great in third quarters. Uh, the bench has been playing really well. Uh, that's something I'm going to talk about here in a second. But those slow starts and letting go of the rope in the last eight minutes of the game are two big problems for this team. And they're two problems that are not surprising at all with the youngest team in the league. Starting slow, not a surprise that a young team does that. Struggling in crunch time whenever uh, it, it, it's winning time and, and holding on to the lead and executing down the stretch. Not a surprise with the young team. Even when they have Shea out there. I mean, J-Dub's a rookie. Poku's a year three guy. Trey Mann, Josh Giddy, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, all year two guys. Like It's a really, really young team. When you look at the ages of this Thunder team, like it's crazy. Like there's nobody really besides Kenrich Williams over the age of 24 that plays. Meanwhile, the Bulls are just stocked up with vets. I mean, you look at that starting lineup. Io DeSumo is a second year guy. Pat Williams is a third year guy. But Vucevic, DeMar DeRozan, and Zach Levine have been in this league a very long time. And so it's not surprising that they struggle a bit at that point in the game but it's something that they can learn from and continue to, to get better at. Uh, my next point kind of ties into that first one. It was slow starts are a problem. I tweeted it out from the uncontested Twitter account tonight. At the end of the third quarter, if you took away the first three minutes of the game, just act like that didn't exist. The Thunder would have been beating the Bulls 85 to 66. 19 point lead. But those first three minutes where they got down 9-0 and eventually like 14-2, to 
that is such a hard hill to clum- com- climb back from, to, to come back from. It's combining words there. It's such a hard hill to climb back from. And I love that that their their mantra, their mindset is it's a 48-minute game. Don't let the first three minutes decide it. Keep chipping away. Keep fighting. Keep doing your thing. But if you don't fall in that hole, you probably blow out the Bulls. If you don't fall in that hole, you probably beat the Denver Nuggets. It's becoming a theme. And, and Mark has talked a lot about it in his press availability. They are working through it. They're trying to correct it. The team knows that it's a thing. It's just fixing it. And you know what? Knock on wood, maybe playing the Houston Rockets Saturday night is a way to fix that because the Rockets are God-freaking-awful. But that's something they have to work on. That's a big theme that I've been noticing. Um, And it's going to be interesting to, to see how they fix it. I wonder if part of that is the the constantly revolving starting lineup does that play a role i don't know it's it, i wonder if somebody's asked mark that that's kind of interesting point number 3 i got to give it up to darius baisley you guys know that i'm on baisley uh quite a bit i think rightfully so baisley is i think a um not great offensive basketball player i think he get, does some good things defensively but he's not great offensively at all and that dude put a sock in my mouth tonight. Great for him. Baisley, 7 of 9 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 1 of 2 from the free throw line, 17 points. Without Baisley's second quarter, the Thunder probably don't win this game. He came in, he hit a, a driving layup where he kind of euroed, like drove the baseline and then euroed back to the free throw line and then reached back in and laid it up. Really nice look. Splash two catch-and-shoot threes from the corner. They were wide open because teams know you don't really have to step out and guard him on those. They splashed him through anyways. One of the two misses from three was an air ball, uh, so that wasn't good. But a really nice offensive night from Darius Baisley. He had 20 minutes tonight, scored 17 points. A very efficient 17 points, 7 of 9 shooting. Uh, when you look at the bench, which I don't have them as one of my my takeaways, but I do want to talk about the whole bench. Darius Baisley, 17.7 of 9. JRE, 10 points on 5 of 9. Kenrich Williams, 8 points on 4 of 7. Trey Mann, 5 points on 2 of 5. Isaiah Joe, 8 points on 2 of 6. The bench, for the most part, was very very efficient. And that is exactly what you want to see. Um, Darius basically somehow a minus one, even though he was that efficient, but JRE a plus 16 and Kenrich Williams, a plus 12. Uh, the two best numbers on the team. They really helped this team get this one tonight, Thought the bench was great. Thought the bench was phenomenal. Baisley was a big part of that. Do I expect Baisley to do that consistently or frequently? No. Um, and Hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong and I'll admit it. But Baisley's offensive game tonight felt like a even a broke clock is is right twice a day type of thing. But hey, if I'm wrong and he has turned a corner offensively, uh, I will admit it on this podcast and I will own up to it. Uh, but I don't see it happening. Josh Giddy impacting the game is my next thing to analyze. Let's look at Josh's line tonight. He ends with 10 points. I didn't think he was going to get the double digits on five of 13 shooting. Very inefficient. Zero, zero free throws. 
Man scored 10 points on 13 shots. You don't like to see that. You do like to see 13 rebounds and nine assists, though. Bad for Josh tonight. Scoring and defense. The Bulls in the fourth quarter in overtime put Josh in the pick and roll with DeMar DeRozan over and over and over because they wanted that switch. There was one play where they put Josh in the pick and roll in overtime. Uh, he tried to switch back to Patrick Williams. DeMar drove and Josh just backed up and backed up and backed up and then stood there and watched him lay the ball in the hoop. And I was like, man, at some point you have to like offer some resistance there. You could just can't let the guy walk to the rim. Uh, there was multiple plays where Patrick Williams uh, just blew by Josh on the baseline. Um, so defense for Josh needs to be better. He plays a little bit like a guy that's not confident. But I talked about it earlier. His overtime, I thought, was great. He handled the ball. He drove down to the basket, got some very tough layups. He had some really nice pick and roll passes. And his rebounding has really been uh, needed. I, he had some really contested digging down in there, fighting for the ball, defensive rebounds, had a few offensive rebounds. Um, so making his impact felt even when he's not scoring, I think is a big thing for Josh. You really like to see that. That is a way to get your confidence back. If you're not scoring, if you're struggling, do the dirty work, dig in defensively, fight for rebounds, make the smart passes. And he's doing those things. I think it's going to work its way out. Um, Josh has admitted himself. He's struggling. He's not having a, as productive as a season as he would have hoped, but he's going to get there. And he actually second most minutes on the team tonight, 38 behind Shay's 40. So am I super worried about Josh? No, I think he'll figure it out because he's a smart basketball player and he's making his impact even when he's struggling with turnovers or struggling with scoring the ball, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My last takeaway tonight, learning lessons. Like I mentioned earlier, I talked a lot on Wednesday about the Thunder, like losing not being a bad thing because you lose, you learn more through experience. You learn more through failures. Um, if they would have won that game Wednesday, they would have said, man, what a great win. You know, Isaiah Joe really came in and saved our butts, yada, yada, yada. But by losing the game, you're forced to look in the mirror and see what you did wrong. And that gives you a chance to reflect and course correct. And I thought they did a lot of course correcting tonight, especially in the overtime period. Um, played a lot of really smart plays. Um, the offense looked so much more fluid and crisp in this overtime. This is what you want to see from a young team. You want to see them rack up these experiences, struggle with them, and then learn and grow from them. And I felt like that's what they did tonight. If that is a theme for the season, watch out because this team will be very good next year. If they can continue to learn from their mistakes, if they can learn from their experiences, uh, I hope they can do so. A lot of you listeners know that I, I'm a public school teacher. And so this idea like really resonates with me. Like if, if a kid, if a student, um, like does okay on a test and they're like, Oh, this is good enough. Like they're not really learning anything from the feedback from the test, but if they struggle really bad, that is like the best moment to teach a kid 
because you can sit down with them and say, hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? Uh, where did you go wrong here? Why did you think this and do this instead of that? And those conversations that it's, we call it like metacognition, you're thinking about your thinking, right? I think the Thunder do that well. And I think they have a great coaching staff to allow them to do that whenever they fail. Like I would love to sit in one of those film sessions with Mark and see how those conversations go when they lose that overtime game versus Denver. And they they have these conversations and they think about what they're doing and, and how they're acting and, and how they're playing. That's really big. And if they can continue to do that, um, the growth curve of young teams is is pretty good because you have so much to learn from. A team like the Bulls tonight, there's things they'll definitely like take away and, and learn from, but that's a team full of veterans, right? I mean, crap, they got uh, uh, Drogic on that team who's like 50, right? Like how much more is there to learn? You've already experienced so much. With a young team, there's a lot to learn and those experiences go a really long ways. So uh, I would be remiss if I didn't, so it wasn't one of my takeaways, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Shea Gilgis-Alexander who had another 30 piece, 30 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, one block, only one turnover, uh, an inefficient night, eight of 21 from the field, zero of three from three. Lots of great looks. All the threes looked really good. They just didn't go in. The midi just like wasn't working great tonight, but 14 of 15 from the free throw line. Uh, this is on the cusp of 14 free throws Wednesday night. So the past two games, he's averaging 14 and a half free throw attempts a game. I'd say that's pretty damn good. Um, maybe Mark's message is getting through. Maybe the guy that leads the league and drives per game is finally starting to get some respect in the paint. You'll love to see it. All right, folks, before I get out of here, I got to hit this chat because you guys have been sending in a lot of questions. Um, first one, everyone wants to complain about Giddy, but Trey has not had one of his token Trey games either. Trey's really struggled since he came back. Um, had a few boneheaded plays tonight. Had a few good plays tonight as well, uh, but his minutes are diminishing. So that's going to be an interesting thing to monitor moving forward. But I agree, Trey has also like not been great. Uh, next one, do you think Trey is going through a sophomore slump too? Uh, very, very possibly. Um, it's a great question. I, I, I wonder how much of the injury is still bothering him as well. In a vacuum, would you prefer Giddy or J-Dub close games? Why not both? I think J-Dub is the better defender. I think J-Dub has a lot more to learn. He's a rookie. Uh, I think Giddy is the better decision maker and passer. I think eventually they will both close. Um, but right now, if I had to choose one to close, I would choose Giddy. Next one. I think Joe has shown enough to prove he is our best knockdown three-point shooter, and it even feels like he is becoming more and more of a threat. Do you think Joe changes our offensive capability? I love that question. Yeah, of their three, like, quote-unquote, snipers, they've got Lindy, they've got Joe, they've got Trey. Joe feels like the most consistent. My man Stroking Joe came in and was firing away again. A few reasons. Um, number one, he I mean, he can just get hot and fill it up. But it feels like he has the most gravity of those three right now. People really close out to him hard, and that opens up other parts of the court. Uh, so I was very happy to see Joe kind of get rotation minutes tonight after his performance from the other night. 
let's see if that continues. Uh, but very positive things from Joe so far. Um, another one. I've noticed that Mark likes the SGA Joe pairing and SGA going to Joe a lot. Yeah, it feels like SGA assists almost all of Isaiah Joe's threes. I think they also like to get Isaiah or Trey or Lindy out there with Shea to really space the floor and give Shea a more open lane to drive into. Um, Unk615 says, how does Poku get a minus 13 in the box score? It's a great question. Um, He was on the court for that horrible start. I think that's really the big part. Poku, 6 of 13, 15 points. One of three from the three-point line. Six rebounds, two assists, a steal, a block, a turnover. Um, Poku, my man, dunk the effing ball. When you get that pick and roll pass and you're right there, dunk that damn thing. I think he's become so much better of a roller. If you go back and you watch that fourth quarter of game number one against the Timberwolves and how bad he shit down his leg and then what he's doing now on the pick and roll, he had a beautiful play with Shea today where he set the screen, he rolled to about the free throw line, the Bulls doubled Shea off the screen, Shea fires this nice little bounce pass. Poku catches it, turns, takes a dribble, and does like this no-look wraparound to Kenrich Williams, who just couldn't handle it. But he's such a smart playmaker down there. Uh, I love Poku in the pick and roll. He's becoming more adept. But dunk the damn ball, my guy. Eamon said Shea wanted his 30-piece in overtime. Uh, I think that's pretty fair. He got it, too. Kerry uh, Cicero, I'm pretty sure we've had at least two games this year where we are tied at half and going to overtime. Crazy odds. Uh, yeah, they have four overtime games. Uh, there are two and two in those games. It feels like the Thunder should have more wins. I mean, kind of. Like Maybe you you can still say the Dallas win they should have lost, but there have been like the, the Denver game from the other night, um, the double overtime Milwaukee game, the 15-point, lead that they let go of in Detroit. Uh, lots of games that it feels like they should have won. Uh, a few more. I think people forget how young Giddy is. Also, only second year and never played college ball. Also living on the other side of the world from his home. It takes a toll on a kid. Definitely. These people are humans. He's a 20-year-old human. When I was a 20-year-old human, I was a jackass. Um, he's a smart kid. I think the college thing is a little overblown. I think the NBL is a much more difficult league than NCAA basketball. But also there's a broad scouting report on him now. Um, he People are guarding him differently. He has to adjust. Uh, that's just the way things are. Um, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Eamon says, Jacob, hope the rest of the, you and the rest of the uncontested crew had a great Thanksgiving and you avoided the green bean casserole. Your boy had zero bites of that GBC. I avoided it like the plague. Let me tell you what I did have, though. That smoked turkey. Ooh, girl. That stuff smacks. Also had some twice-baked potatoes. My first Thanksgiving of the day, I went with the, uh, you make the roll Thanksgiving sandwich. You cut that roll in half. You butter it up. You get you some stuffing, some turkey, some mashed potatoes, some gravy. Top half of the roll. Big old Thanksgiving sandwich. Ooh, it's good. Real good. Meek Leak says, do you think we'll see Oos back on the team before tank season starts? Great question, Meek. Um, Oos got recalled from the, the G League today. He played this morning. Um, he is going to be with the team for this upcoming road trip. Uh, Mark said that we will see more and more of Oos. They wanted to get him in the G League. Um, 
to, quote, put some miles on the wheels. So I think we'll be seeing more of Usman Jang. Um, Carrie also says, happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate it. Uh, Meek Leak also says, thankful for this year and happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate you guys. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. We are now officially in Christmas season. It is now okay to put up your Christmas trees, hang your stockings, watch those Christmas movies, listen to some Christmas music. I watched A Boy Called Christmas on Netflix last night. Good movie. I would encourage if you enjoy Christmas movies to check it out. I've also had the August Burns Red Metalcore Christmas album blasting today. It's very good. If you were into heavy music, I would also encourage that. It's the most wonderful time of the year, folks. And it starts off with a Thunder W. Thank you guys so much for tuning in the Uncontested tonight. Cannot tell you how much we appreciate you guys and are thankful for you. We had a pod for you last Wednesday. We have this one tonight. Taylor will be with you tomorrow, Saturday night, after the Thunder take on the Houston Rockets. And then Sunday night, 9 p.m., we have our weekly show, as always. Uh, also a very good one because we'll be 20 games in. I think that's a good sample size to make some predictions and some assessments for this team. So make sure you tune in Sunday night, 9 p.m. Central Time. Until then, you guys have a great, great Saturday. We will see you tomorrow evening. Until then, and as always, Thunder Up! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.